Hi, it's a Buckkeep Radio cold open. This is BKR editor Rachel. I wanted to thank you for your understanding last week as we took a week off unexpectedly. Normally, we open our episodes with an outtake or some particularly fun comment, but that's not what I'm doing today. It's been a very hard week for us, and a lot has happened to our crew as we're scattered across the country. The episode was recorded a while ago, and a joke just didn't feel right. Today, I want to acknowledge the immense global outpouring of support and activism for the Black Lives Matter movement and the movement to stop police brutality that took on new urgency and priority over this last week of COVID quarantine. The good news is that these efforts are making a difference as we see police departments around the United States of America being forced to acknowledge their brutal treatment of Black Americans. And in one short week, we're already seeing cities begin the work to examine, defund, and redefine policing in this country. Thank you to every protester, every journalist, every donator, every organizer, every activist on social media. Don't quit. We are just a very small podcast about some fantasy novels, that's true, but as a group, we care deeply about these issues. Robin Hobb created a sweeping story of assassins and prophets, magical ships and dragons, destiny and struggle, but she also created a story that deals with the very issues that drive the BLM movement, that of inherited prejudice, slavery, economic majority bias, and how important just one person can be in saving the world. As the fool would say, it's all connected. When you save any part of the world, you've saved the whole world. In fact, that's the only way it can be done. We've placed some helpful links of resources and places to donate in the episode description. Thank you. Please enjoy episode 35 of Buckkeep Radio. Inside the Walls. This is episode 35, Ship of Destiny, chapters 5 through 9, and I'm Rachel, a rereader. I'm Alyssa, a rereader. I'm Jenny, and I'm a new reader. I'm Eli, and I'm a new reader. I'm Elena, I'm a new reader. And I'm Ashley, and shockingly, I am also a new reader. Alyssa is back with us, so you don't have Yay. to just hear my opinions anymore. Ooh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to listen to me and Jenny talk about how we don't remember anything from the (laughs) handful of books we've read. (laughs) I'm sure it's fascinating. Joke's on you. I don't remember anything either. Oh, I have to talk. I I am glad that you're back, though, because I have to talk to you about a thing I read in the wiki last week that was so That we're not privileged to? (laughs) No, but it was so funny. It cannot be real, so... <laughs> oh boy. I wonder if it's like a you know, like a fake a fake piece of information like stuck in there, I don't know, to confuse. Um before we get started, we do have quite a few content warnings. So for chapter 5, there's going to be discussion of details surrounding uh Althea's attempted rape. Chapter 6 uh is Cirilla examining some of her rape trauma. And chapter eight uh, involves Malta being threatened with rape uh, and groped. So there's also definitely stuff in chapter nine, although I completely glossed over in my review. What was in chapter nine? I just want to write again. There's uh, their talk about Torg and the slaves. 
Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was... Yeah, you're right. Yeah. When they're talking about... I wasn't prepared yeah. for that, and it snuck up and in there, and I was just like, what? God damn it. This is a really, like, rough chunk of chapters. I think I thought that was in chapter 10, but yeah, you're right. That was chapter 9. So... No, no chapter is safe. <laughs> seven is safe. <laughs> chapter seven is safe. Chapter seven is safe. Just why I took that would be our little safe harbor. All right. So take it away, Elena, with chapter five. All right. Um, chapter five, Paragon and Piracy. We start with a cheery little scene between Althea and Clef about whether the beating Lavoie gave him was justified and more bullshit ship's politics about how Althea can't really offer Althea's opinion. She can only offer the second mate's opinion, and that is that the first mate is as the first mate does unless the captain gets involved. Um, Paragon, uh, she realizes or notices for us, has stopped philosophizing and seems super focused on the task at hand. Um, this is only an improvement if you're A, not Amber, and B, unaware of foreshadowing. Uh, Althea reflects on the hopeless logistics of her quest and the way Lavoie is going about trying to get the crew into better discipline. Paragon interrupts with some ominous talk about Kennet. Let's go face down the pirate and take back from him all that is rightfully ours. Let nothing stand between us and that end. Um, this is, this read to me as ominous because uh, I'm like, 99% sure that Paragon has a connection with Kenneth and therefore he has things that he wants from him personally that we're not yet privy to and you know I'm not sure I'm totally trusting Paragon here. Uh, he does provide some fantastic life wisdom which is if you're going to have a cool life you have to learn how to live in it before you get there so that you can handle it when you do get there uh, so this is kind of applicable to the ship like hey y'all need to be fighters now not like wait and figure out how you're going to be fighters when you actually find Kenneth um so then uh Amber Althea and Jack kind of have a girls club meeting no boys allowed and Jack is basically going on and on about how hot Brashen is and what he would be like to knock boots with and I'm pretty sure he's looking at me when he assigns me to my tasks um, the only thing worse than Althea having to sit through that whole conversation is Paragon listening in and Lavoy interrupting it to say, hey, uh, the captain wants to see you second. So she goes to see what Captain Tight Pants wants and, you know, he kind of starts off uh, easy talking about like how things are going on the ship and what does she think about Lavoy and, um, you know, the, uh, the date's going real well. Um, as far as that goes, he decides he's going to bring out the good rum because he needs to talk to Althea Vestrit, uh, the trader's daughter, not his second mate, um, when they contemplate whether the plan that Lavoie and Paragon are cooking up about how they should be masquerading as pirates is actually a good one. Um, and then Lavoie comes back in to say, hey, the uh, carpenter passed out on, on the deck after you left me alone talking to her and arguing with her. Um, you might want to come see to that. Dot, dot, dot. Lavoie. Dot, 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 indeed. The best line in this chapter is the one that Eli texted earlier about Althea dying inside. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
so real. <laughs> well, according to her own rules, she can't be like, oh, actually, you know. Yep. Hands off. If you're going to be the second, you got to be the second. <laughs> She's got to sit there and listen to Jack talk about her man. <laughs> 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 her white teeth, her shark teeth coming at him. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I didn't um I didn't really call the the line out because I was quite, I was trying to go at warp speed to get through the um um the summary, but I actually really really loved the moment um, when Althea is sort of looking at Jack and thinks she's what I pretend to be, which is like a woman who's completely confident in herself and basically like commands the respect of the men around her because she expects it, like she just like walks in and acts like you're gonna treat me like. I'm your equal and therefore they do. And I thought that was a really interesting kind of commentary. Well, that's, and part of that, I think a huge part of that is the culture that she grew up in. Mm -hmm. like, she didn't have to. And also not wearing a bra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She didn't have to internalize and, and kind of overthrow any of the messages that she was told as a child that she was secondary. Right. Because the six um, dungeons is better. It was just, it was interesting because, you know, when we're first introduced to Althea, like it is sort of with this idea that, you know, she was raised as a son and she, you know, she had um, like her father's sort of favor and the, the freedom. And so it's, it's just, it's, it's interesting because compared to the other women in Bingtown or like the other women in her age group in Bingtown. Yes, that was very true. She had a lot of freedom. She had a lot of sort of confidence in throwing off the sort of trappings of femininity or womanhood. But then like, she's kind of noticing the contrast between herself and someone who was raised in a completely different culture where it genuinely didn't matter. Yeah. She's sort of like a weird right. in between phase. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know. It's like, you know, she doesn't get treated totally like a woman. She doesn't get treated totally like a man. And it kind of right. sucks. She should have taken Brashen up on that idea to go to the Six Duchies mm -hmm. three books ago. <laughs> well, here's the second best line. It says, ever notice the captain's hands? Yeah. <laughs> them rhetorically. <laughs> He's got the hands of a man that can work. We've all seen him work back there on the beach. Yeah. And Elfie mm. is like, he's the captain. We shouldn't talk about him like that. <laughs> and then she goes in to talk to him, and all she's doing is staring at his hands and how clean they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then Jax really, like, gets real, like, into it, where she's like, oh, and we're just of a height. I like that. It makes so many things more comfortable. <laughs> Jack. No. <laughs> She's been on that boat too long, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, Jack's definitely, like, she's got lively appetites and nowhere to satisfy them right now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, she's not wrong about, like, working man hands. Like, you can tell when somebody's, like, off is soft and when they're not. And it's, I mean, it's nice. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Let's not look at or touch anyone ever. Cool. That's What's next? true. <laughs> no touching. Well, that's Corona Con. No touching. No, no touching. touching. 
poor Althea in denial. Well, I don't know. Is she in denial, though? Or is it just she's like, I'm in a situation where I can't do anything. And so, like, doing anything only makes it, like, exponentially worse. I guess so. They kind of seem real arbitrary. Yeah. Because she also just keeps getting mad at him and trying to, like, turn off her feelings. For non-official reasons. Yeah, but this I whole idea that, like, oh, well, my job as the second is to be the second, and then the first mate is the first mate, and only the captain's opinion matters. But then when you go to the captain, the captain's like, well, I mean, I can't interfere with what the second's doing, or that would undermine him. And I'm like, well, do you have a power structure, or or what? <laughs> Seems like, I mean, Kenneth does whatever he fucking wants. <laughs> I mean, but even I mean, even it's, Kenneth's it's, like, oh, I can't, I can't show weakness here. I can't do this, or everybody will not believe me anymore. I mean, it's kind of just kind of the same. Yeah, Kenneth different. even have a first mate or a second mate at this point. Yeah, there are no names, names at this point. Yeah, okay, because you got they rid of all the other people and do set not them matter. Off. Yeah, right. yeah, different boats and shit. I think his crew is so competent; it doesn't matter. true speaking of competence shall we move on to chapter six (laughs) chapter six an independent woman who's the independent woman stick around to the end of the chapter to find out (laughs) the only thing cirilla doesn't like more than winter is untidiness and bingtown is looking pretty sloppy right now she had taken a carriage out hoping to see people pulling themselves up by their bootstraps and repairing everything and going back to normal, but weird shops aren't opening up and no one's inviting her in for tea while they rebuild society. So she sulked all the way back to Devad's. She couldn't even sail back to Jamalia because it's pretty sloppy there too, what with her life being in danger probably. And at the end of the day, she wants Bing Town. She wants more than to love it. She wants to possess it and rule it. And Cirilla's ordeal has left her anxious and paranoid, and she's not going to let men have power over her again, which, fair. She thinks about giving men a 4 p.m. curfew and taking away their rights. She doesn't, but that's what I would do. Um, But her man-hating internal dialogue is interrupted by a servant who has one of those ugly tattoos, but it was the only slave in an eight-mile radius who knew how to act properly Jamalian, so one must cope. (laughs) We learn that Ronica just will not leave Cirilla the fuck alone. <laughs> she keeps asking questions about getting work done around the city, and oh my god, leave me alone to my misandry, Ronica. We learn also that Cirilla is having Rod Cairn follow Ronica when she leaves the estate. Cirilla is trying really hard to cement herself as a cornerstone of rule in Bingtown, but Ronica is just cramping her style. And here she comes with ledgers. Oh my god, don't you have knitting to do literally anywhere else? (laughs) We switch between their perspectives while Cirilla reveals she's never been camping and is really bad at maintaining a fire. (laughs) Ronica, however, has been a Girl Scout all her life, and she fixes the fire, and they both get their turn at tossing the fire poker, which is my favorite Bingtown sport. Cirilla accuses Ronica of spying on her about five times. Then, for a second, they almost, almost connect, and Ronica tries to give her some well-meaning advice. Quote, 
no event in life is so terrible that one cannot rise above it. You are granting it power over you. And Cyrilla has a point when she says that it's easier said than done, and some experiences change you forever. And Cyrilla snaps at Ronica and shuts the whole thing down, and Ronica makes an internal remark that I think is really unfair. And she says, the companion seemed to regard any woman as a rival or spy, but like, what are you backing that up with? You've seen her with like servants and maybe a horse, and that horse was vetted, so... <laughs> Ronica takes her ledger back out with her because this meeting could have been an email. <laughs> As she's going up the stairs, Rod barges in with a message and she tries to find a nice place to drop some eaves. Rod brings Cirilla news of the collapse in the rainwiles and the safe trap and Keki's unknown fates. And then she asks Rod what to do, so there goes all that hard work on power over men. Cirilla, I thought we had something. Ronica sucks at eavesdropping and has tea with Rach instead. Rach had gone down to the harbor earlier and offered to work for some fish, but a man named Sparse gave her two founders flounders for free. Say that three times fast. Rach was like, <laughs> I don't think that's his real name. And Ronica is like, no shit. Who would be named Sparse that's like naming someone Selden? The two of them have a moment where they talk about Rachel's husband in Chalced and how he's not worth going to find or whatever, and Ronica moves on to how every faction in Bingtown has to come together to rebuild and make a stand. And Rachel's like, oh, everyone? And Ronica goes, oh my god, I forgot slaves were people. <laughs> Rachel reveals that before she left, Amber had been hard at work organizing the slaves for rebellion. When Ronica is incredulous, Rach laughs and says, but I believe Amber can save the world. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's the last airbender joke, Ashley. It you sure is. Yeah. Are you watching it for the first time? I am, yeah. <gasps> I'm so excited. I'm for watching you. it with Rachel and Eileen. Oh my gosh. Ugh more later but anyway <laughs> Ronica goes to the traders concourse and starts cleaning and soon more trader people arrive and they begin a choreographed sweeping routine and song everything comes to order after a bit save Sir Farilla's fancy Cirilla's fancy guillotinable entrance mm. <laughs> the concourse passes some measures that any sane society would pass like a moratorium on rent and putting one another's safety first <laughs> oh, oh wow it was too real yeah, it yeah, got seriously. very real this chapter was real and mortgages yeah <laughs> but Cyrilla's feeling left out and then it's the questions portion of the evening and there's no way Cyrilla is letting Ronica speak so she drags the hell out of a so long farewell of Wiedersehen goodnight <laughs> when she instructs Trader Dwicker to say the closing prayer, Ronica speaks up and says this is more of a comment than a question. <laughs> but they won't hear her because Rod's being a rod. So Grad speaks up for Ronica instead, and they pass an inquest into Devad's death. Way to go. Everyone leaves, and Ronica goes outside to face her worst enemy, a nasty little breeze. It's cutting at her. Grad comes to the rescue, and he and the breeze knife fight. He's being really nice about politics and offers Ronica a ride home. Ronica asks why, and he says, oh, guilt, and I still want to get with your daughter. <laughs> and the independent woman is Greg's horse, who has to carry them both on its back without a carriage. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to say that in the audiobook, 
I thought that it was Rowan and not Road. And I think Rowan's a much better name than Road. That's all I've got to say about that. But, I, but Rod <laughs> I is pronounced an even it better name. Rod to make the Rod joke. <laughs> I, and I say Red. I was saying Road, but hell no. I, I was saying Road. Letters. Rod. I guess I guess the and audiobook lady is saying Rowan, and I'm pronouncing. I'm hearing it as Rowan. There's spoiler alert. It's red. Too many vowels next to each other in his name. His full name. Yeah, and they're not Rowan right Cairn. Yeah. Cairn. So we just call order. I just think of his last name as Cairn, and I'm like, well, mm-hmm. Red Cairn seems more descriptive. Like, yeah. Let's just like call he himself him Arcan. a walking grave. Yep. Yeah. Well, he sucks, so it doesn't really matter. RC. Let's call him RC. You know, we just got rid of Devon. Yeah, we'll just call him old sucky face. <laughs> at least he's not constantly described as, like, terrible at dressing himself and his, you know, girth that he hides people behind. No, he's he's constantly described as being half-cocked and, like, nobody's <laughs> sure if he's gonna, like, you know, yeah. kiss him or fight him. And, like, it makes everybody uncomfortable all the time. I'm telling you, 4 p.m. curfew, no rights. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend who's been in Guatemala this whole time since COVID started, and they actually do have a 4 p.m. curfew there. <laughs> just for men or for everyone? I mean, it's for everyone, but he's a man, so we'll oh. just say it's for a man. <laughs> that makes me feel good. Thank you. <laughs> um... So, CSI Bingtown and Cirilla's internalized misogyny and the super boring meeting that we had to sit through. It was a lot. It was I, a lot. I do I not nothing. like Cirilla. Like, the more I learn about her, um, the less I like about her. And, um, I don't know, I kind of I feel like, kind of with the same with Althea's perspective last chapter, like, we get more of Cirilla's perspective that she's like... That we didn't get when we first met her. And we kind of thought, like, oh, you know, she's, like, this little scholar, and she wants to go to Bingtown, and she just, you know, she wants to live there. And then we're like, oh, no, like, she she wants to own yeah. Bingtown. Like, she wants to rule Bingtown. Like, she thinks she's been essentially raised in the fucking palace as the satrap's little, you know, uh, pet, and thinks that she's owed that kind of lifestyle. And I'm like, oh, wow, you, you do not actually have very good intentions here do no. you like trauma or no trauma like it's like seeing the under her understanding of the world is actually kind of disturbing yeah like her in the like, context of Jamelia first... and the satrap are one thing but then she next to a normal human is awful yeah even on the way there it was like you know she she just wanted to you know be free of the satrap and be free of the chalcedians and all that stuff and you were kind of with her, and then it's like, like, but if that was your aim, like, you could have just, which is what she seemed to be starting to do by telling mm-hmm. Greg and uh, Rain about, you know, the potential plot against the Satrap, that, like, she could have just been their sort of informant, and then they would have probably made a place for her. 
she wouldn't have been ruling Bingtown, but she would have been safe. Right, but that that was but her that, mistake. She chose to do this thing where it was like absolute power or right. death. She, <laughs> Which is she why didn't it's want so to frustrating. Because it's like, what are you she doing? She didn't want to join. She didn't want their help. She just wanted to rule. It's weird, I though. Because like, I remember but she her saying she just... Because she... You go. I was just going to say she wants to rule because she wants to feel safe, but the reality is that, like, if she wanted to feel safe, she could have done this another way, and it would have worked yeah. out better for her, because now she's constantly, like, afraid of losing that, like, very tenuous grip on power. Yeah, she has no options anymore. She's only got one option. What were you going to say before, Alyssa? I remember her saying maybe it was just like a reaction but that all she wanted was to escape in Bingtown and just get away and blend in and i don't know how much of this yeah. is like post-traumatic event like power needing i mean but... i definitely think what happened to her on the ship played a part in her just being entirely mistrustful of everybody and just wanting control for control's sake and also, and then, like, once you start that, you have to keep it, because you can't, like, mm-hmm. back down. But I did really kind of love the insane description of her outfit that she wore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, she went from yeah. wanting to hide and blend like, into the crowd in and pearls. to walking into this council meeting decked out in fucking pearl and crazy beadwork. I'm like, oh. Which she got from Keki's wardrobe. Yeah. So that, that begs to differ, like... Before, when she was like, Keki was dressed like a whore, and I was dressed like a good yeah. Bingtown person. I'm like, you actually liked her clothes, and t- yeah. definitely <laughs> took them as soon as you could. She's- <laughs> she totally sucks. And while she didn't deserve well, what happened to her, like, it's also not an excuse for her to suck. I think that her well, reactions to things are extreme and unwarranted, but I don't dislike Sorella. I would like to know how old she is. I think she's like um, early twenties. Yeah, uh, that's she's that's the definitely the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, she's definitely like older than the Satrap, who's like what seventeen, eighteen, something like that, but only by a few years. I mean, I have I like I feel like I understand where she's coming from, so I don't hate her for like those reasons, but like she's in incredibly frustrating currently especially her going against ronica it's just like there it's so much well she and ronica are both love, frustrating right now they're they're in the same i know i did <laughs> i did love their whole spat about the like shawl that she was wearing and she's like how dare you take that from this estate and she's like uh i made it like several years ago so um deal with it <laughs> So, I will admit that when I was listening to this on the audiobook, I fell asleep. Um, but <laughs> I did listen to it twice, and one of my... both times. Different parts. Uh, <laughs> my favorite part, uh, well, maybe not my favorite, but something I thought that was interesting was uh, when she was just trying to keep her conversation, like she was trying to keep her speech going... So that she would have something to say to distract everybody from continuing the meeting. 
it just made me think it was like is this how every po- politician operates <laughs> <Probably. Yes. trying> <laughs> to... <laughs> they're just like i don't have any fucking clue what's going on right now but i've got to keep this distracted for just a few more minutes and then we can get the fuck out of here I like that, like, at the beginning, she was just like, oh, I, I want them to be pulling themselves together, and then, you know, I'll praise them for it. And then, like, you get to the meeting, and, like, they're putting themselves back together. She's like, why am I not involved? Yeah, this is not, this is not okay. This is exactly what I wanted, and it's not okay. And she sees yeah. it in Ronica and doesn't like it. Yeah. Ronica remarks about it. Being town What gets me about Ronica... Is that she's so obsessed with like clearing Devad's name and oh, God, no. name and like going and she just wants to go toe to toe with Cirilla and she thinks that Cirilla's the key to everything and at the end of this, Greg's like, Yeah, you know, I don't know, I know everything. And she's <laughs> just like, Whatever, I'm not gonna ask you any questions. Right. I'm not gonna ask you questions that would be really helpful to know the answers to. <laughs> or even like, you know, talk to Rach more about like everything she knows. Because, mm-hmm. you know, slaves are people. Gross. That was infuriating. She just sees. Rich is like we prefer to be called the tattoo. It's ages on my think. And I still love that every time someone brings up Amber, people are like, "The bead maker? What? (laughs) Bead maker?" (laughs) And we need to talk about Amber because we finally have confirmation in this chapter. Yeah. Of her being a mm-hmm. prophet, which it's like, when she started getting sick, I was like, okay, because I'll be the fool. So, go on. So now we have it. She's she's a prophet. I mean, they said it. Yeah. Like, there's not anything to mm-hmm. go. I mean, they put it in text. Yep. It took you long enough. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Nope. Oh. Okay. What's everybody laughing at? Who's the fool? <laughs> Who's the fool? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Elena. So, says the woman who you has only read Assa- Assassin's like... Apprentice, and I and while the fool was in it, there was no like the fool being sickly and like having he, symptoms. He did so like his coloration changed. A certain point, like he was very pale and sickly, but then he like started his eyes were changing color to a more like amber tone and that kind of thing. But then he did what? he would randomly get sick. Well, they but molt. not but not in not in the first book. Like Fitz hardly interacts with him in the first book. He just sort of shows up and like drops a few weird lines and then like leaves. Again. Yeah, but there's, I've there's, only read. Yeah, then they the go on a road trip yeah, together. The, the two yeah. other books. Yeah, I think I think that's in like the yeah. later books. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, who's the fool? Why is this relevant? Why is, what's everybody laughing at? But, by the way, how awesome was Greg? Just gonna say, I'm not, not saying he's awesome for Althea, but, like, how fucking awesome is Greg? Like, he got rejected, and he kind of took it well, I mean, like, as well as, you know, you can, and now he's, like, still being nice to her family and, like, being a stand-up dude and, like, a community member. Like, fucking A, Greg is... He is A plus. He is husband material. He's also not letting it go, which is not the best quality. People for cope anybody. in their own ways. I don't see here's the thing about Greg though, is like, okay, so he, he he impresses and saves her family. She comes back from her adventure and then she owes him 
no yeah. I, I see I, I don't know I mean I know he he tells you know Ronica the line like oh maybe it'll you know maybe helping her, her mom's the way to her heart I actually I don't think he means that I think he's just a stand-up dude and like Ronica's kind of being a bitch like why are you helping me and he's like well if you only understand self-serving reasons here's a self-serving reason but like I kind of took it as he's just like a stand-up dude and like it's kind of nice to read a character like that because there's actually rarely like that many of them in books it's like true. this. Everyone always has an angle, yeah. and at least his angle is not offensive. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, he did leave things very like he when he left Althea last, he was like, "I will wait for you." So I mean, I'm not convinced that he's not also in it for himself. Well, no, yeah, because he wants to like marry her. That's totally selfish reasons, but yeah, but yeah. It's for love, so it's allowed. <laughs> but at, but at least at least he understands that, like, when you marry a girl, you marry your family. So, like, yeah. again, with especially you if you're a traitor, yeah, yeah. All right, chapter seven. Let's move along. <laughs> Jenny, you're uh, right. chapter seven is called Dragon Ship. Um, so the memory of the dragon inside Vivacia is unnecessarily impatient, so she thrusts Wintro back into his body, deciding that he's done enough work on healing himself for now. Uh, she wants to tell Vivacia the truth about her dragony origins, but as expected, Vivacia can't handle the truth and starts freaking out. In an effort to calm her, Wintro decides the best course of action is to go streaking across the ship naked to get to the figurehead as quickly <laughs> as possible. <laughs> People are a little shocked. Um, he tries to tell her that none of this is her fault, but Vivacia isn't having it. She becomes the new paragon and just wants to find a way to die. She's clawing at her face, but every time she gouges into the wood, it heals itself, which I'm sure is something Paragon would really like to learn so he could see again. The dragon is having none of this, though. She wants to live however they can and doesn't want Vivacia to give up. So Winter is caught in the struggle between them, but he too wants to live. Kenneth comes comes hobbling out up on the deck and wants to know what the hell is going on, because he can sense the wrongness, too, since he's sort of bonded with them a little bit. Eventually, though, Vivacia finds some way to win for the moment, and suddenly goes gray as a tombstone, all of her color and life draining from her. Wintro is suddenly alone in his mind for the first time in so long. Kenneth is inconsolable, the crew is starting to notice, so Edda manages the situation and gets the blow decks again. So as Wintro is trying to explain all of his new dragony knowledge from getting, like, you know, slimed by the serpent, Kenneth decides now is the perfect time to get drunk on Brandy, or at least get Wintro drunk because he can't hold his liquor. Also, there's this whole thing where Edda is really unnerved by Kenneth's lifelessness, and she can barely stand to look at him, and she's like, who is this man that I loved once? Um, <laughs> <laughs> he has lost and, his flame. <laughs> and Winter tries to explain that Vivacia is gone, but Kenneth won't have it. He needs a live ship for whatever it is he has to do. So after Kenneth leaves Edda to tend a wasted Wintro, he makes his way up to the foredeck, determined to call Vivacia back to life. He decides to tell her a story, but he's getting the details wrong, so the dragon points out to, points it out to him when she suddenly starts speaking through Vivacia's lips. She calls him stupid and an insect, apparently a common theme for dragons, and threatens to destroy them all and sink the ship. Kenneth wishes her luck with that and tries to turn away, face planting on the deck as the ship suddenly lurches. The charm bracelet is like, oh no, you have to go and challenge her. Never turn your back on a dragon. So he gets up and tells her to shut up and makes the same offer to her that he made to Vivacia to pirate with him and hunt again. And the dragon sort of like gives him her own ter own terms that she wants what she wants and when she, when she wants it and that she'll tell him what it is when, she, when the time comes for her to take it. 
Lieutenant's a bit freaked out by this, but the dragon decides he has accepted her terms eventually, and the charm bracelet congratulates him on a deal well struck, which concerns him even more. Uh, meanwhile, she who remembers is doing some surf at karaoke, but she's a bit rusty. Still, she tries singing a song of gathering, uh, and waits for a response, but nothing comes. So she returns to following the ship wherever it will lead her. Oh. Great plan. Oh, this chapter is weird. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's bleh, especially the spirit serpent karaoke, not spirit. Wow. <laughs> well... Well, that part doesn't. That's that's, that's the just most yeah. Because like, now that the dragon's <laughs> present, the fine. smell coming off of the ship is different, and all of that. I'm like, I, I feel like that adds up. Yeah, it's. I just think like this whole egg, the existential horror of confronting <laughs> who you are, and then either being able to handle it or going insane and clawing your face off, <laughs> is. It's, like, an interesting kind of, like, take. Like, is that the point in the narrative of these, like, live ships? Is it to to make us do this kind of navel-gazy, like, self-exploration of, like, you're reading it and you're like, oh, wow, she is a dead thing that used to be something, but maybe she could be something else, you know? She doesn't have to be what other people want her to be. Am I supposed to close the chapter and then like look in the mirror and be like, who is my inner dragon? I don't know. I just think like, so the Maitlands <laughs> in Beetlejuice, when they found out that they were dead, they handled things way better than Vivacious did. Yeah. <laughs> they they did. They got a handler, but helpful. still like she's straight freaked. Did, did, did the dragon come out because she who remembers was there like giving off the you know the toxins is that what provoked it or I was I think so I think yeah. that's what gave her such maybe some of the toxins her. on Wintro like oozed out onto the deck <laughs> why uh... well yeah maybe it was like a double hit maybe it was like a one two punch because it's like Wintro gets on board and he has all of this knowledge that Vivesha cannot look directly at more Kwisatz Haderach stuff but then you have the actual like serpent swimming around the boat endlessly releasing her toxins so she couldn't really ignore it and singing and doing all of that <laughs> other just shit. like a weird bath bomb yeah <laughs> <laughs> she, she's a really weird bath bomb that, by the way, anyone listening who wants to make some Realm of the Elderlings bath bombs, uh, I will buy them. <laughs> it just smells time. like dead fish. Toxins. Yeah, it just has like jelly in no. it. Seaweed. Somebody who takes baths bath like bomb. several times a week, that's not what I'm looking for in my bath bomb. <laughs> I'm looking for a stinky ass bath. <laughs> if I could get one that smells like Divi Town and just really stink the joint up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm only interested in like silver threads of memory. That's that seems like that would be nice and uh. Gentle. I used one the other day that was like very glittery and very oh, blue. The glittery ones, <laughs> fucking can't. Ugh, so it was Tintaglia, is what you're saying. It was Ooh. the Tintaglia bath bomb. I thought about it. <laughs> I did think it. I so okay. Vivacia freaked out. She started clawing her face and her hair off. But well, just try right. Yeah. But it grew back. So 
No one else's stuff grows back. Yeah, and I'm like, so does that mean that Paragon was in, like, a different state when the damage was done to him? And I so think he didn't grow it's... back? Or, like, the weird thing is with Vivacia? I don't know. I is think it, like, dragon-related? I think, my so my opinion is, that in the same way that the dragon helped Wintro re- regrow himself, heal himself... That the dragon is, when the dragon is in control, the dragon is able to heal itself very well. Dragon was like, no, I'm going to look good if I'm taking over this ship. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas Paragon doesn't really understand it. He's starting to. Yeah. Sort of. Ish. There are two of me. (laughs) There have always been two of me. I'm not like you. (laughs) I want to be a dentist. There are two wolves inside you. Mm-hmm. Is He's not like other girls. <laughs> but Wintrow was on board. We don't know who was on board when. Also, the Vivacia was doing it to herself, and we don't know if Paragon like was doing it to himself, or right. if that was done to him. I, I, yeah, yeah, I seriously got it. When yeah. Ophelia got burned, it was by you know the Chelsea. Yeah. But then, like. Yeah, so Vivacia just didn't mean it. Yeah. Just, <laughs> she didn't want it hard enough. She just didn't... She just doesn't handle <laughs> trauma well. That's okay. No one handles trauma I, very well at this point. I am ready for Etta to cut the tethers that force her to be so kind of secondary to Kenneth because... Well, she finally looked at him with, you know, like, you know, like, oh, God, he's pathetic. So it's happening. It's more <laughs> objective eyes. Yeah. She's like, oh. But th- I mean, that's a- and that was a good that was a good development after she was like, I am not worthy. He is he is touched by saw. And it was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I really like the line that was like. um, The man that I used to love. Yeah. 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 Although now he's she had love. Now he's yeah. revived the ship, which no one thought was possible. So now are they going to be like, oh my gosh, he brought the ship back to life, even though well, the dragon and dragon is like you fucking morons. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that anybody's going to buy that. That's actually Vivacia, though, because no, th- I mean <laughs> so those people like, on on lie. watch knew yeah. those people on watch. They heard her or whoever it is now, the dragon. Like, mm-hmm. talking back yeah. to him and calling him an idiot. Yeah. I I kind of like serpent karaoke. It's like the one <laughs> thing I like. So <laughs> you're a fan of the minstrel? Well, it makes me think of, like, Sarah Jessica Parker on her broomstick and Hocus Pocus. <laughs> <laughs> Are they a witch's tangle? Yes. The song of She's my people. singing... And trying to get all these little baby serpents come to, to like children. come to yeah. her. It's <laughs> really weird of the audiobook because the audiobook always sings it. What oh, did no, they I... do for the tune? Because I was trying to make a tune out of that, and I was like, I don't know what. It the was fuck. bad. It was just bad. Don't even worry about it. It was that great. <laughs> oh no! I see. I have a karaoke song list for when COVID's over. I could add it. <laughs> it can be added. <laughs> it could work. I think this is like the longest chapter, right? Like, how would I? I would have a hard time finding it. 
No, but seven. Is no, not it's the not. Seven is not the longest. I could find it for you. Not not during this recording, but I could find it for you. Well, it's at the end. Yeah, Whatever. it's the very anyway. end of that chapter. <laughs> it's like the last four paragraphs. Three, two, three, four paragraphs. Yeah, they, we all I know is the only clue we have is that it, there's piping notes. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So, so high pitch. They like... should play the C pipes in the band. <laughs> the tangle. The band is called Tangle. The tangle. <laughs> or is it oh, is no. it Malkin's tangle? Malkin's tangle. <laughs> that's a little weird, but that's cool. Yeah, I like Malkin and the tangle. I guess it depends on what. Malkin in the Tangle, see, that's good. I feel like I need to make that shirt. <laughs> Please, I will 100% buy it. <laughs> I'm going to put all these sing. random things up. And then I will sing my karaoke when COVID is over. Alone. <laughs> all right. Are we ready to move on? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Okay. Chapter 8 is called Lords of the Three Realms. So Tintaglia is hunting and flying around the local skies of Trahog. She calls it Frengong. And she calls the beaches along the river, which she refers to as the Serpent River. Made of memory stones shining black sand. So, you know, more of that memory stone. Where dragons and elderlings worked together to care for the cocoons every autumn. To which I say every autumn? When we were talking about this last episode, how often do serpents turn into dragons seems distressingly frequent. Uh, so she's deciding that she's going to go search for the other cocooning beaches along the river. So she flies up river. Meanwhile, down river, Malta is still stuck in a rapidly disintegrating rowboat with Cosgo and Kaki. They're extremely dehydrated and suffering from advanced thirst. Keki has even begun drinking the Rainwild River water, despite Malta's warnings. Tsk, tsk, Keki. The satrap continues to be domineering and annoying, completely disbelieving that no one has come to rescue them by now. It's as if his impending death isn't a real thing to him. He blames Malta and her people for getting him into the whole mess, and he's not grateful at all for being rescued from his muddy prison, because if they hadn't kidnapped him in the first place, he wouldn't be here. He says, we're going to die on this river, and cries one tiny tear with his bottom lip stuck out, <laughs> and Malta snaps, I hope you die first so I can watch, and Costco <laughs> is displeased. So we wing back upriver to Tintaglia, who has stopped to eat some pork, and she's continued to fly upriver. <laughs> Eventually, she comes upon Kelsingra, the ruined elderling city familiar to those of us who have read the Farseer trilogy. Tintaglia's thought stream confirms for us many of Fitz's earlier suspicions that the city had been designed to allow dragons to land and walk around and partake of city life. And anyone else picture the James Gurney creations, like his Dinotopia books from when we were kids? <laughs> yeah. 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 So Tintaglia tries to land, but the river is shallower now, so it actually hurts her. And much of the city that wasn't destroyed in the event that cleaved it in two stubbornly keeps being whatever it was designed to be. So we've got roads, we've got walls, we've got tabletops, and everything else is just dust. And Tintaglia thinks... That it will take longer than normal, but eventually Kelsingra will be taken over by nature. She goes to see if any of the liquid skill is available for drinking, but the well that we saw in Fitz's vision has dried up. So back to Malta, lest we get dragon fatigue. Keki isn't doing great. Malta thinks that she might have died, but <laughs> she's still kicking for now. She says, help me live. 
And Malta says, I'll try. And Keki says, help me live now and I'll help you later, I promise. So Cosco's nap is interrupted by the lights from a boat. Malta thinks that they should avoid them because they're obviously Chalcedians coming up river to raid. But Cosco sees the Jamelian flag and starts yelling. So they end up being rescued by the Chalcedians. The best culture in these books by far. <laughs> Yikes. They're the best. Malta doesn't speak the language. Yet another failure of Kyle's. But Cosco and Keki do speak it. And Keki is willing to explain as much as she's able. She's being mostly dead from river water. When the sailors laugh at Costco's claim to the satrapy, Keki uses her knowledge of Chalcedian culture to step in and demean them, a move that shows she believes in the status of the man that she belongs to, which goes a long way towards convincing these guys that Costco is who he claims to be. So Malta takes some notes. (laughs) They're taken to the captain's quarters for some light bites and convo. Keki plays pet. Malta is cast as the servant. And after a smoke, they're escorted to their quarters where the mate makes very disturbing demands on Malta. But Keki steps in and Cosgo tells them that Malta is Keki's servant and thus his servant and therefore does not have time to be raped. Thanks. So Keki explains to Malta that she needs to help uphold the Satrap's power if she wants to make it off this ship alive. Quote, in Chalced, no man's woman is every man's woman, which is just charming. This makes me think about how Cirilla is acting as well, since this culture has clearly been a big influence on Cosgo over the years. Anyways, Cosgo demands a bath and for Malta to attend. He strips and Malta thinks some rude thoughts Mm -hmm. about Cosgo's naked parts and tells him that she'd rather die than help him bathe. And Cosgo says, obey me now or I shall call the sailor who wants you. And we know that Cosgo is good on that threat since he did the same thing to Cirilla. And it's a relief when after telling Cosgo that he looks like a plucked chicken in a pan, (laughs) Malta relents (laughs) and pours his bath water the whole while thinking how nice it will be when Cosgo develops sores from the heated river water that he's using. (laughs) I was so disappointed when they got picked up by a Chalcedian ship. I was like, God damn it. Where is the Kendry? It totally harshes Rain's like whole like buzz, man. Like he was supposed to sweep in and save her. What's he fucking doing? It was like an entire day since they spotted the dragon and the Kendry still hadn't caught up. And I'm like, Aren't these the ships that are supposed to be able to go fast as lightning and, like, make it past pirates and they find all the speed somewhere and they still didn't catch up to her? So annoying. Did the country see, see Tintaglia and go, oh, no, I'm a dragon is now having, like, an existential crisis and can't sail? <laughs> or what? Possibly. <laughs> they didn't touch, though. I'm thinking that these legendary ships are, like, one mile per hour faster than other ships. <laughs> <laughs> One knot yes, per hour. Get it? Yeah, one knot. <laughs> well, they squeeze their, their, their planking together as hard as they can, and it just makes them go just a tiny bit faster through the water. <laughs> I think it's kind of sad that, like, Tintaglia is, like, she's flying around with this extreme joy of being this kind of amazing, beautiful dragon. And she's finally like escaped her confinement. And now she's slowly realizing that everybody's dead. One, she, she, everyone's dead. She's the only dragon. Nothing that she values in her memories is still around. Mm. And the world is not designed to serve her anymore. I like when she accidentally compares the elderlings to humans and she's like, Oh wait, yeah. Did I mean that? Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Are they terrible like humans or 
No, they they respected dragons, so they're I'll, I'll amend that. Right, <laughs> but she says that, and then like a paragraph later, she's like, "Oh, leave it to these stupid humans to like build a city that would only be a city, and then when it stops being a city because they all died, it still thinks it's a city." <laughs> so <laughs> it implies that elderlings are humans. Is that's the implication here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it says something about them being mingled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they used to be humans or started as humans. But she also said that there were three hatching grounds for the dragons, and this was the second one. So I want to know where the third one is. Mm. I expect either farther up or farther. Is down. that on the yeah. that is that the island where they found the dragon and the egg? Or or not in the but egg? That was not. An, there was no <laughs> egg. <laughs> <laughs> I know that now. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I do like, I know I'm a, I'm a dragon lover. I'm okay with it. Um, I do feel badly for her that she's like set on this mission and she's like, I'm going to find help and the other dragons and all these things. And it's like, no, you're totally alone. Hmm. It's like if you were the lone survivor, but there were still ants and bugs. Like, that sucks. That's sad. Butterflies and blades of grass. Isn't that what Cirilla wants? I don't know what Cirilla <laughs> wants. I don't think Cirilla, Cirilla knows butterflies what she wants. <laughs> Guys. It's very fatiguing for me to, like, think, okay, once again, we have a character who has been thrust in the path of all of these rapey men and I have to suffer through it one more time Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. I don't Uh, want to fear for her every time we get to her section I was enjoying Mm -hmm. Malta much more when she was just laughing at the Satrap now she gets to laugh at him and be terrified well now she can't even laugh at him because he'll just give her to the soldiers yeah. She has to laugh at him internally. She just gets to pour boiling hot acid water all over his body, so <laughs> I think um, I think she's done a very good job of testing it as far as she can test it. Yeah. 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 And testing the waters. Yeah. Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> so um I uh, I don't know whether it's because I just did the, you know, closet cosplay with her or <laughs> If she actually like suddenly fucking showed up this chapter, but I was like, "Hey, look at Keki! Like, absolutely, Keki did like, show up this chapter. Yeah, like she's fucking. Well, like, she finally had lines she, where she wasn't whining. Yeah, yeah, she knows yeah. what's going on. She knows exactly like how to handle the situation. And well, she's she also not of, high. Yeah, and we're not getting her through Cirillo's POV. And I wonder and the, right, a life or death Keki situation is probably a little bit different than yeah. you know, yeah. just in charge and. But I also wonder if she has any regrets about what happened with Cirilla and just kind of sitting there doing nothing. Probably not. Maybe she was glad it wasn't her. I mean, because she's technically the same rank. She's also a companion. I don't know what her expertise was supposed to be in. (laughs) But, you know, maybe, honestly. Yeah, honestly, it could have been Chalced, yeah. Um, I did kind of groan when they got out the drugs. I was like, no, why? No. <laughs> no. 
It's funny because that's what Cirilla wish was happening at that same moment, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Drugged and controlled. <laughs> well, I want, I'm always like, how are the Chalcedians, like, so great? Like, how? why are people so afraid of them? How can they, like, maintain this war when they're high all the time? Like, I know. Like, if you look at the people who get caught up in this stuff, like Cosgo and Regal, it's like, they're so useless because they're just so high all the time. But, like, they're cruel and useless. So I guess if you have a bunch of, like, cruel, high people all working together, you know... I guess. Or just think about, like, would Kenneth and Brashen be able to hold on to their power structures if they were inebriated in their cabins for half the day? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I feel like so the, did, I, uh, I feel like the rest of Jamali is enough removed from the Satrap that they don't see him high all the time. They don't, but I'm telling you, like, the Chalcedians are, like, these are not high-level people. This is not like these are not politicians and nobles right. like these are just like random soldiers and they're still getting stoned on <laughs> duty <laughs> that's why it's definitely like, that's why their main weapon is fire and every time they go up against the bingtown <laughs> traders who are not experienced in war at all the freaking chalcedian chips end up on fire every time Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, are, like, the leaders of Chalced high, or they maybe it's just the passing out maybe the drugs? Not. And yeah. they're like, wow, look at how we control our population by getting them all it's stoned all the time. They're like, oh, our population is so easy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going with it's probably something like that. I don't know, I'm getting some serious Judge dread, you know, Peachtree Center vibes yeah, from, totally. <laughs> from totally. Chalced. I mean, if you if you think about their the slave, the elf bark for the slaves, like, I mean, they... Like, is their entire population on something? Probably. The big traders, they, 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 you gotta move goods in and out of Chalced if you wanna, like, be, I mean, that's the whole thing about Buck, like, about the six duchies, is like, oh, they don't like the Chalcedians, and they're sort of at soft war with them all the time, but they still ship goods in and out. Because they get drugs. Well, yeah. <laughs> shade is probably drugs. half their <laughs> half, the dr- half their elf bark is from shade mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of exports to Bucky. that Pac-Man brand <laughs> alright shall we move on to chapter 9 uh, oh that's me okay Yes. chapter 9 battle so, aboard Paragon, the sailors spar with one another to prepare for the inevitable battle. Althea wonders if this orderly practice will be much preparation for a fight where the enemy isn't waiting for you to shoot them or stab them. Althea takes a break from watching the training to climb the mast and stretch her legs a bit. Up top, Amber has the watch from the crow's nests. Uh, the two chat for a bit, and Amber appears to recover from both her illness and her apparent fainting spell, uh, which Althea fears may have been due to her confrontation with Big Boy, Big Boy Lavoy. So Althea scans the horizon. She contemplates the shifting waterways of the pirate isles before her, um, and how the pirates use these unpredictable uh, terrains, the sandbars. Uh, the shifting land under the water to their advantage. 
Conversation turns to Paragon's newfound bloodlust and his frequent conversations with the first mate. Lavoy seems to have gotten real chummy with certain folk aboard the ship, including uh, slaves, former slaves who were most likely to have been pirates before. And his violent tendencies are running off on, uh, rubbing off on multiple people, including Paragon. Ever thinks that Lavoy should get the boot. So the two friends' amusings are interrupted by the sudden appearance of a ship that was hiding behind one of the aisles. Um, the alarm is raised, and the sailors of the Paragon dash into action. The pirates use a swarm strategy. Um, they launch a flotilla of tiny boats to trap the Paragon within grappling hooks while the main vessel catches up. They may have escaped, but Paragon is slowing down to meet the pirates and taunting them all the while. From Brashen's POV, it's a total mess. They're supposed to be getting into groups to attack. There's one group to defend, one group to keep the ship sailing, and one group is to attack the, the pirates before they can get on board. So instead, sailors are running around like the chipmunk that got into my house earlier today. Lavoy <laughs> um, <laughs> is nowhere to be found, and so the captain performs the first mate's duties himself and whips the sailors into shape. Brashen performs an action that I've always only thought was rhetorical and knocks two sailors' heads together to get them to behave. <laughs> <laughs> Brashen looks for Lavoy and finds the rascal playing Delta Force with his hand-picked crew. He's strutting about like a peacock, and Brashen goes to intercept, but is held back by the observant ship's boy who says to watch for a bit first. It turns out Lavoy is more interested in having Amber arm Paragon right now and is not interested at all in the crew's order. Amber stands in the giant's way and he's, uh, she's just standing him down alone. Everything is interrupted by the sound of a grappling hook hitting the deck and Braun and ten good men are on their way up. <laughs> so this reader is delighted that the word... Hardy's is used in true pirate fashion. <laughs> yes. Otherwise, it's true chaos. Paragon refuses to flee. Pirates appear on deck and ruthlessly defend the grappling hooks to allow more pirates to climb up. The little boats are, like, just attaching all over, like little, like, like parasite fish attaching to a big whale. Uh, Clef turns out to be a badass and charges in and just, like, starts killing people. Um, Althea and Brashen run in to assist <laughs> the, the, the kid who's just uh, a killing machine. Uh, we get lots of uh, we get lots of really neat glimpses into how the pirates are just much better what they do than uh, the Paragon's crew. Uh, chain is fastened to the grappling hooks so that you can't cut the rope that holds it. There's a handful of pirates. Uh, are just like on the boat and they're defending against I'm assuming like a hundred people. Like this this boat is just full of people. They've got it they've got extra people to sail and fight and then they have slave uh former slaves on board the snuck it's just like the the boat is just as full as it could possibly be full of people to fight. And you've got like maybe ten ten, fifteen it seems like pirates have got on board and they're like doing a pretty good job. Um, 
Brashen notes that many of the men he hired for their brawling skills have reverted to what they know best and are just mobbing the pirates <laughs> and punching them into submission. <laughs> the only thing that seems to be saving Paragon's crew is the fact that they have the extra men. Uh, and in the end, only a handful of pirates are left, and the pirate leader claims that ten of us could take the whole ship. Uh, Paragon sp- speeds up and... Uh, the main pirate ship is being left behind. Uh, and then Paragon starts to rave that even if they take him over, he'll just kill them all. So, you know, they may as well just leave. And this scares the pirates and they start to leave, all except their leader. Althea orders that uh, they take the leader alive and then Lop obliges and smacks the guy with his stick real hard, which kills him. Oops. Uh, I didn't mean to jog him so hard. <laughs> Uh, with the assault over, Althea is consumed with the fact that Brashen sought to keep her back from the fighting to protect her. Um, after the attack, the lone pirate survivor is interrogated. This is not the leader, it's some other guy. Uh, we get more rare, great pirate speak as Lavoy calls him a bonnie boy. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Through threats and violence, we learn that the pirate used to be a slave aboard Vivacia. And he has a super low opinion of Wintro and anybody uh, who's a haven or a vestrit. Um, and he's fervently loyal to Kennet. And uh, we learned that uh, Vivacia loves Kennet. So Lavoy grabs the guy and holds him up against the railing near Paragon. And Amber tries to stop him, but the figurehead just grabs the pirate up and shakes him about. And we hear bones breaking and... <laughs> Then he just tosses him into the sea, and then, like, almost as an afterthought, uh, Paragon's like, oh, he told us he's going to Divi Town. <laughs> Can it always love Divi Town? <laughs> and it's it's just like, uh, did you even hear anything he said? You just snatched him up and broke him to pieces and threw him. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> so then... Amber calls Lavoy a monster, knowing that he did that on purpose. And Brashen declares that uh, we're making for Divi Town, but no one is going to, uh, no one's going to talk to Paragon anymore. And we're going to increase our drilling because everybody sucked real bad during that fight. Uh, <laughs> quietly, Brashen believes that Lavoy is planning a mutiny, but uh, also he's he seems like oh, I just have to, like, endure this for a little bit longer. And it seemed, like, not very smart to me. Like, he wasn't handling it right. It seemed like he was like, well, I need Lavoy right now, but I, even though I know he's going to turn on me. Um, and then at the very end of the section, uh, Paragon is just, like, this angry, wounded creature almost. And he's like, Lavoy gets me. Can uh, You know, Brashen doesn't get me. Uh, Kenneth, there's no way that he could want another live ship. He 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 couldn't possibly want another live ship. Uh, and the last thing uh, that he says in the chapter is that he was not going to go willing to Divi Town, even though he just told everybody that they were going to Divi Town. So it was so bizarre to me. Um, but yeah, a lot of shit happened. I just like that at the end, Brashen like grounds everybody. He's like, "You're grounded." You're grounded. You're grounded. Everybody go to your room. (laughs) You know, 
I think that if you grab a bunch of bottom of the barrel people, yeah, what do you expect? Your crazy ship. Yeah, I mean they're not gonna like somehow become this like amazing fighting force, right? And I'm glad that they weren't like magically depicted that way because I would have been like, "What the fuck? There's no possible way." Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But they were oh, it was so comical though. Yeah, they were like fighting over swords. (laughs) Like, I want this sword; it's better. I just love that they're like, (laughs) "Fuck weapons! We're just gonna use our fists." And I'm like, "That's maybe that was the plan all along, just to like totally disorient the pirates by attacking them with their fists instead of properly going sword to sword." In my head, I just pictured the the hook, like Lost Boys versus Hooks Men. Just like people swinging on ropes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I didn't believe this whole chapter was that they only lost like two people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't. Well, that and like there was like the six people at the end. They were like, no, man, we got him on the run. Let's do this. And then Paragon's like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> and poor Clef. I hate that he had to kill somebody. But also, like, I love that he just did, like, <laughs> he's just like, you know what? I'm not going to fight you like a man. I'm going to stab your feet and your legs over and over and over. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> going rogue. Well, he got that one person in the neck, I think. Yeah, he did. Yeah. It was horrible. He got him. As they're climbing that's, over that's, the that's edge. That's that six duchies, you know, berserker mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how they go and jack is it is <laughs> jack you hand out all the weapons i'm like wait jack was like yeah i didn't get to fight anybody she was super depressed about it <laughs> <laughs> aon maybe may the best fighter there <laughs> yeah she's just waiting on the bag of swords <laughs> Well, because if you think about it, if you only have, like, three decent crewmen and they all have a job, like, if you had given that job to someone else, they would have just, like, dropped all the swords on the ground. That's true. He did need a confident person to hand things out. Yeah. (laughs) But also, like, why doesn't everyone just already have their own weapons? Why do we need to be handing out weapons when we're being attacked? Maybe because if they had weapons all along, they would have killed each other by now. Probably, yeah, probably. <laughs> I want to know right. how can't be trusted. How long did it take the other ship to launch six ships and attack them? Like, how long did they, they definitely have to get had motors on those little boats? Like, <laughs> dude, that's not Althea because Amber was like, "I thought I saw a ship," and and Althea's like, "Nah, you don't know what you're you seeing. didn't. You don't know anything. You don't know what you're." Seeing. Surely they had time to pick up to a sword and walk to the edge of the ship, though, right? But that's not <laughs> yes, what they yes, did. <laughs> they didn't pick up a sword. Right? And they walk had to the, the time, the but they. But they didn't have like the they ran around in the circles discipline to like do it. Crazy chickens and were like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! <laughs> like didn't do anything. <laughs> and, and part of that's because the boy was like MIA, like he wasn't or they AWOL were or some whatever. Kind of like, yeah, he, in the belly of the ship. Yeah. yeah, he he wasn't there to give them the orders and. Um, yeah. The description of him like strutting around with six other people right. who are competent. His hardies. His hardies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was so funny. He's just like, yep, we're badass. We're walking around. I was super... <laughs> the whole ship is just like, we're not... We don't know what's yeah. going on. I was super annoyed with Althea, though, with that whole tangent between her and Brashen. 
where he tells her stay yeah. safe and she's like there's another man telling me I'm weak and pathetic and that I can't do anything and I'm like could you just at this point you both you know that time. you both deeply care about one another like at this point can't you just accept that as like him caring about you and not him right trying now, to like Althea stamp do you it. down as Althea's a woman broken. and if, if you were Jack you would just do it anyway right? I can't I can't imagine thinking <laughs> about anything else in a life or death situation. I would just well, be it like, was mostly after. Yeah, she was she was really pissed after. But like, I don't know. I think for I think for Althea because because she of the way that she was kept apart from everyone when she was growing up, like on the ship, right? And then when she finally was a sailor, she had to pose as a boy. And then like, I think her whole mental orientation of like what she needs to be in order to be a competent sailor captain ship owner is just completely fucked like she thinks that if she allows anyone to care for her and she cares for them back Mm -hmm. then they control her and they own her or she's property or like she just doesn't she's gonna be lonely in life if she can't can't get over this shit man she is she is and the fact that she's so so violently angry about the fact that somebody saved her life and then also was like, hey, don't yeah. die. <laughs> like, that's not... Maybe if you'd said it like that. <laughs> not stay safe as in like, you know, get yourself out of here, stay safe. But like, just try not to die. Don't die. Uh, yeah, well, because she's already like, she's thinking the same things about him and she's yeah. mad about it. Right? Like, she's like, oh, no, go she's... just, why don't you just go fuck Jack or something and, and just get out of my face. <laughs> She needs some therapy. Everyone needs therapy. This is a Robin Hobb novel. <laughs> there ain't no therapist is, in the realm, That y'all. is true. Maybe <laughs> Jack can give her some therapy. I mean, we got we got Amber pouting in the in the crow's nest. Like, <laughs> I'm not sick. I'm fine. Stop asking me. We got nobody punched me a few times. <laughs> Nobody punched me, and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> L- we got Lavoy and Paragon talking to each other, like, exchanging sick-ass stories. We got Brashen, like, I don't care about anyone. Yes, I do. No, I don't. I'm the captain. That's a different personality. <laughs> Althea's doing the same fucking thing. Like, they're all disasters. Not they are. Lavoy yeah. is definitely planning a mutiny. Oh yeah, Lavoy is. Oh, Lavoy is so like, disgruntled that there are women that he can't that, like... fuck on the ships. One, <laughs> and that like then there's yeah. like they they actually have a voice. He's like, oh no, I'm not here for this at all. Like we're doing our own shit. And he, I, and like I bet you that he's like the most mad because he thinks that Amber is the hottest one, unlike <laughs> <laughs> everyone else. <laughs> oh yeah, and like everyone else who's like, oh, she's so tall and thin and beautiful. It's weird. <laughs> Hate it. Oh, you know what we didn't so talk I've about? I've never seen her look more about. vital. Sorry, I just, ahead. it made me think about when, so a few chapters ago, we were con- confirmation of Amber being a prophet, but then the comment about the earring that she wore in her ear. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I can't even, it like irks me to even talk about this shit with you guys because you're like, oh, yeah, it's like driving me crazy. We'll try and contain Sorry. ourselves. Go ahead. No, we'll, we'll just move on. I'm good. 
No. Ashley, have, oh, have this conversation with me. Ignore them and just like have punished. this conversation with me. Because now I'm curious like what you think it meant. I don't know yeah, what it meant. That's just nothing. it. And I'm trying to find my ah. phone to pull up the page, but it fell behind my couch cushion. Yeah, it was like this is Are a you, you're the, pointing it's out the that, that like, they, they a freed slave gets. Like, yeah, she's she like, oh, that's like my one true love. freedom earring. The Chelsea and Freedom right. earring, yes. Seen those I'm before. To find the page. I don't know. We can. And where does she get it from? That's what I don't remember. Her one true love. But who's that? Right. Who's that? I can, all I will say is stay tuned. Well, Obvi. <laughs> I thought I had highlighted it. I don't see it now. We can keep going i'll see if i can find it okay so one thing that confuses me about the whole situation on paragon with the crew and like althea's place like how like did was it not explained that she's a vestrit and the vestrit family financed the fucking expedition like i get the whole like you know if you're going to be part of the crew you have to stick to the hierarchy but i just feel like there's a lot that I don't know, that kind of reminding people, like, hey, her, she's the family representative on this crew. Like, this is kind of her expedition. Like, Yeah, it, I wonder if they don't know that. Or maybe yeah. they don't because she she was like, oh, I'm just the second mate. I don't want to get special treatment. Because, you know, it's Althea's personal hang-up. Yeah. Right. But, but like, they know they're going to get the Vivacia. Do they not yeah, they know, know her mission? Do they not know her surname? They have to know. Yeah, they have to. Yeah. Know. So maybe maybe sailors are just stupid, very dismissive of like where the money comes from in this in this reality. Like they don't care. They just care about the mission or their own cut. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I just feel like while that is probably like entirely true, it also. Like, it wouldn't undermine Brashen's position as the captain to, like, remind them, like, she's the fucking owner of the expedition, basically. So, don't try well, and... Well, maybe they think that that would undermine Brashen's authority? I don't know. Yeah, and I, I feel like it changes her position. She's not really second mate. She's a lot more than that. If she's... She shouldn't be second mate at all. No, yeah. I mean she shouldn't. Yeah. But that's like it's just they what should throw Lavoy overboard. It's the the well, chosen yeah. true the chosen position to give and R two R two and then Lavoy. Yeah, but R2 I'm R2 just first. like Lavoie I should get the solid like a... R treatment. Yeah, <laughs> take him out on a rowboat to make him on a long <laughs> instead of a long walk. It's a long row. It goes back to what Brashen was saying about they needed Lavoy because Lavoy could crack heads, and that's what they needed for this shitty crew. <laughs> they they say that, but then they have they have plenty of people who can crack heads, and all of their crew is pathetic anyway. So. Yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, Brashen was the one actually cracking heads. I guess I don't know. The captain's not supposed to. Do I mean, that. that's I mean that's himself. like hindsight now. Like there, it's shit yeah. is happening. Shit is going down, but like. But they knew that when they hired Lavoy, they were like, "This guy's a piece of shit." But, he's but the a, point he's was, a piece of shit. But but the point was, it was like maybe he's a piece of shit who like could potentially you know change his ways if he was actually given a chance. So now he's right. being given yeah, a chance, and some... it's becoming clear that like no, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. 
Lavoy's Hardies. His Hardies. Yo ho. <laughs> Lavoy's Lavoie, boys. No one in this series has walked a single plank. It's garbage. <laughs> Do they have planks? They should. They right. talked about they a plank. They should be rich with planks. <laughs> when Malta was on the boat, they talked about a plank. They had a gangplank. Who was walking it? Tell me. The, pe- <laughs> the, pe- the people boarding the ship. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the the gangplank is what connects the ship to the dock yeah. that you actually yeah, walk over to get. Walk yeah, to, like, that's not like a shot. random piece of wood that's like jutted out. Okay, of the ocean. you guys, what do you think the random piece of wood that you jut out over the ocean is? Like you're still walking the same plank, it's just not connected to a dock. <laughs> no, well, it's, it's the different one. It's, it's the murder one it. reserved it's for different. death. Yeah, it's the murder one. It. it has lots of it has lots of uh, messages carved into it that are not nice. I stand corrected. <laughs> it's thinner. It's very narrow. I know. I know sense. what. I know what she was going for. And no, no. <laughs> the gangplank is Paragon just tosses you into the ocean. You don't walk. A plank. <laughs> you don't walk he, a plank. First he, he just tosses your you. rib cage. Then he throws you. Into the ocean. Oh God. And then you cart, and then he throws you so hard. It's like, uh, it's like uh, the anime. What's the anime with the giant people? The anime Attack, Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan. It's like Attack on Titan, where he just like grabs you and then chucks you so hard that all your limbs go out in a star pattern. And smack into the water. It sounds pretty we... good for the spine, actually. That sounds nice. <laughs> Use that right now. Can we talk about how Paragon was, like, so super pissed that Kenneth, like, would ever, like, want another live ship? I mean, well, yeah, I think that that goes down to our every episode prompts, right? We can stick to what did we learn about live ships? What did we learn about Paragon specifically and his relationship to Kenneth? He clearly fucking knows him. Yeah. 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 And is very possessive. And is offended that Kenneth has found himself a new bestie. Yeah. I'm sure that they separated paths when Kenneth was like in yeah. no control of his life. Yeah. But yeah, it sounds like well, it this, sounds like this goes back to the star that was on his chest that Amber removed. That's obviously Egrot's star, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And we know that Kenneth was involved with Egrot because Egrot killed his father and cut his brother's tongue out. So clearly he served somehow on on Paragon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do we think he was about um, Wintro's age when he was on that boat? I think he was ship's boy. Yeah. 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 Because everyone else that they encountered were right. old. Like the cook. Yeah. And he does have And also a people talk about to... it like it was so long ago. He has a connection to Wintro at this age, so that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. more of what I was thinking. Yeah, he empathizes with him. Okay, so other props. This be my crew, character introductions and exits. Oh, that one clown. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Vivacia appears to have... Uh, exited, perhaps. Exited. <laughs> she gone. Bye. Are we sad about that? Uh, <laughs> I mean, the dragon is annoying. The dragon's super annoying, but fair? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I felt really sad for Vivacia with the way that like like ex slave 
pirate was talking about her and he's like yeah kind of just like talks to her like she's a cheap whore and she laps it up you know <laughs> like it was like oh my god like a kind of true but like <laughs> wow that's insulting <laughs> how can you be sexist towards a boat <laughs> well she has her titties spoiling out so yeah Look, she can't help what she, what what God gave her for sure, or what the what the Rain Wilders gave it's her. Not, it's <laughs> not her problem; it's his problem. Yeah, it is. It is her. Yeah. Um, speaking of crews, we know that Lavoy has a crew. Lavoy has boys. Lavoy's boys, boys are in the house. <laughs> yeah, they're in a gang called the Hardies. And the Hardy boys. We've. Got... <laughs> Uh, we have whatever, whoever this, this dragon is that lives inside Vivacia. Yeah, what's her name? We don't know yet. Yeah. She wouldn't We're share it. it. Don't worry. Don't or worry. he, who knows? It's a she. <laughs> it's a she. Vesha. Uh, okay, X marks the spot. Where the heck are we? Private Isles. Lots of water. Headed toward Divi Town. We saw Kelsingra. Yep. We saw, yeah, Tintagla is in Kelsingra, and Malta is somewhere downriver, not to Bingtown, but south of, or I don't even know, southeast of Trahog. So I guess that's the way that. So Kelsingra is definitely where Fitz was. Yes, yeah, hundred yes, percent. Def- that's definitely where he was because she talks tower. about the yeah, and like the landing the pad where the dinosaur or the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the dragons landed in the Gurney water contract. like we saw that happen in the memories all of that stuff so guys Dragon-topia. i'm within 10 feet of two dinotopia books and i'm just dying <laughs> to open them up <laughs> those were like my favorite and they were so expensive when i was a kid so i would only get them from the library but they were beautiful james gurney's art books are yeah. so beautiful they were they were the oh. best uh, so we'll skip over what we learned about live ships because, wow, they on. are philosophical and scary and murdery. And they have all the mm-hmm. emotions. They're more interesting than most of our main characters, to be honest. <laughs> are we going to have more our... live ships have the dragon take over? You know? Well, I guess it depends on where she who remembers is swimming. <laughs> If if our theory is correct. If the bath bomb theory is correct. Yeah, if the bath bomb theory is correct. Uh, is this the patriarchy, misogyny, capitalism, slavery, and fashions from Jamalia? Well, we know that Cirilla really loves those fashions from Jamalia and that she was just fucking lying. Beadwork is close <laughs> to the buttons. <laughs> I kind of look at it as she's putting on her armor a little. Well, it was cold, and she needed a robe, and she could have picked something that the first, the first time she went in front of the trader, she was like, "I'm going to dress well, modestly." Look, like the trader stole the good shawl, so she had yeah. to go to Techie's <laughs> closet instead. But then she goes in front of them, and she's like, "Let me just, you know." Do you, look at my do you guys want to hear some dragon yodeling or serpent oh, yodeling? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Did you find it? I hate it, but you could listen. Did her voice in the night and sang out an ancient song of summoning. Come, it said to any who might hear. Come, for the time of gathering is nigh. Come to your memories. It's so bad. Journey together, back to the place of beginnings. Come. 
It's tremulous. <laughs> it's like when Nadja is singing in What We Do in the Shadows. Yes. <laughs> oh, how pathetic and lovely. Thank goodness. There was no fresh trace of serpent scent in the water, but only the maddening fragrance from the ship. There was something about the ship she followed that suggested kinship to her. She could not imagine how she could be kin to a ship, and yet she could not deny the tantalizing toxins that drifted from the ship's hull. Tantalizing. She took in air to sing again. <laughs> Come join your kin and blend strength to the weaker ones. Together, together <laughs> <we shall be laughs> It's not even how a song goes. Is she singing it like that or should it be more like in uh, Finding Nemo where it's like like whale noises just so that echolocation I'm sorry it's she's never sung before to other people she's been alone her whole life <laughs> She's oh, been Coronacon her whole life. I wonder if that woman got to like the the um, audiobook narrator. If she got to like choose how she sang "quote unquote" that song. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yes. Probably. I mean, props to her because she probably did it in a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, there, there was like a. a there's a big whiff of like Renfair kind of oh for sure you know, oh yeah going There's... on there so she was like trying to do something in a mode it just I don't know got an opportunity she to do some full Witcher dragon yodeling here like what the fuck why not you think there'd be like a rhythm or <laughs> <laughs> look after to be fair, we heard after I'm we a heard fan her of the audiobook of a... otherwise. <laughs> Dragons are into syncopation, okay? Next time I sneak up on somebody, I'm gonna go. Keki will be like, ah. What? You call. Uh, what? What do you want? <laughs> Sleeping. You have internal bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. Except, unless she's talking to Chalcedians and then she's like, um, excuse you. Nobody talks to me that way. Excuse me, but my boyfriend is going to totally beat you up. <laughs> Do you know who his father is? <laughs> yeah, he's dead. Here, have some drugs. <laughs> All right. Anything else we want to hit? Did Ashley, you, ref- you want to bring back up the uh, earring passage? No, I did find it, but yeah, it was just what I was forgetting was what Elena or somebody had said of that it belonged to her. They had asked her if it was hers or belonged to her mom, and she said no. It was a gift from her one true love. Yeah. Any thoughts about that? I mean, if her one true love was enslaved, it would make sense why she's trying to have all, help all them tattooed folk. Have all those slaves. Yeah. Well, stay tuned. We don't call them slaves, Rachel. They're the tattooed ones. The tattooed. Everybody's got a cool gang name. Right? 
Wow. I can't wait till the tattooed and the hardies and the traders and the old traders and new traders and everybody joins together. Oh, let's just hope that this narrator doesn't do the musical version of it because it's going to (laughs) suck. She should sing the rest of the book. (laughs) For sure. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, Our next reading section will be Ship of Destiny, chapters 10 through 14. Uh, We do have some content warnings on chapter 13, and this is a big one uh, for harassment, groping, threats of rape. Mm. And it's like, it's not like, it is not casual groping. Mm. Um, All right. It's pretty tough to read. Uh, so you can email us at buckybradio at gmail. I am Rachel. You can find me at Darth Rachel on Twitter and Darth underscore Rachel on Instagram. I'm Alyssa and I am at AlyssaMaynard.com. I'm Jenny. You can find me at uh, FacelessFray on Instagram. I'm Eli and you can find me at ChewyBreadCosplay on Instagram. I'm Elena. You can find me at MothElena. And I'm Ashley at Ladybird Parker on Instagram. Anyone who considers themselves a hardy can stay. <gasps> I've been waiting Whoa. my Whoa. whole life for someone to say that to me. <laughs> oh, hearties. <laughs> Come me hearties. Me Yo hearties. ho. To spoiler section. Night night me hearties. Avast. It's harder and harder to keep it together. I can't do this. I mean, so obviously Elena's figured it out, but I think that she's figured it out through the cosplay stuff as opposed to the books. Because I can't. I don't think Elena's figured it out. I can't. I can't see how she would figure it out through the books. Well, I don't think she has figured it out. Yeah, why would? Why wouldn't she say so if she had? I mean, she made the fool comment. No, because we were talking about the fool in reference to Amber in terms of the sickness and the prophet yeah. stuff. Mm. Of a prophet. It's just that yeah. Ashley wasn't connecting the two. Ashley would have gotten there if we had not giggled. I don't know. She yeah. seems to very much think that they are separate characters and is not connecting the fact that it could possibly be the same person. Right, right. Well, we'll, we're we'll maybe, when, when... We are maybe giggling too much. But I think that it's... I think you should get it from the giggling, really. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Well, no. Here's the thing: is because because she knows that we are like yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's gonna be like, no, I refuse. I refuse to make any more connections and think about it at all. Yeah. Moving on. That's that's the vibe I'm getting. Yeah. So we have to just be chiller, okay? I'll try. <laughs> I don't have that gene in so, my body. So we all need to just get off the call when Amber just starts carving Fitz's face. <laughs> just mute yourselves. Yes. <laughs> Everyone mute. Okay. That's just the way it's going to yeah. be. <laughs> it's our okay, last chance hearties. before Malta the Horse. <laughs> oh. um, it's just like, like the earring and... <laughs> 
I'm like, yeah. oh, we now, when she said we now have it confirmed, I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, oh, she's a prophet. It's like, and? Fair. I mean, it's fair to think that, like, oh, there's probably just another person like the fool. Yeah. Working, working their ways yeah. in a different parts. And of I the mean, map. there are. Yeah. So yes. it's not that crazy. And we haven't really gotten any of the speeches from the fool. I mean, we got a little bit of it, but like not really anything that's like, I am the only one. Right. And, you know. I think it's just like, I mean, she definitely, obviously, I mean, it's been confirmed anyway, but like, she's getting that they're the same species or race or whatever, but it's like the. Right. And if the, if you pressed her, I think she'd tell you that they're elderlings. And then you've got like oh, the yeah. earring and the I you know I'm very familiar with the six duchies and that stuff where not connected. Look, I brought up the kiss as the kiss was happening and no one cared, so it's not my fault. <laughs> I think was that, that the earring is like such a minute detail that I I don't think I would have remembered that the first time. No way. It's, they're all very it's small Birch's details. grandma's earring anyway. Yes, they're all small <laughs> details. Yeah. It's just, it's hard. <laughs> um, there's not really, I mean, you know, we're about to get the show down. We're about to like, we're about to get to bad shit. So mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm just enjoying the not bad shit right now. Mm. Yeah, it's great. Mm. All this <laughs> not bad shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else from Jenny and Eli? Because I have to talk about this thing I read in the wiki and you guys didn't want to hear it. Ooh, am I time. am I first mate? Then if I get to yeah. stay. Oh, oh. <laughs> Alright. Well, yeah, because you've read these books and I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's where they come from. I guess that makes me ship's boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'll be the carpenter boy. since I'm the, <laughs> the artist carpenter. that doesn't get credit for her work. Um, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we'll let you discuss your spoilers. Yeah. I, I did, I did like cut uh, like 40 minutes of the spoiler talk in our last episode. How I had long? to, otherwise it was going to be like two hours and 15 minutes long. <laughs> that one person would be so happy if they could listen to the spoilers. We did have some very good stuff that was very difficult to cut, but I was like, look, it's just not relevant, and I need to cut it. I'm going to skip straight to then when I listen. It was so good. We we were talking about, like, Golden Fool, and oh, we were talking about... I missed it! Yeah, we just... We had some good convos, but unfortunately, it was all cut. <laughs> History well, will not remember it. I tried to keep it... I tried to keep it in. I had, like, a first draft of it, and then I was like, oh, no, this is two hours long. <laughs> All right. Yep. I would go. You guys can talk. talk. You can talk about real things. Okay. Bye. See you later, fools. Okay. Hello. So what I have to say is a revelation I learned about Tarman. Yes. Does Tarman grow legs? Oh, Jesus. You know, (laughs) I think he does. Yep. Oh, oh my god. So I forgot about that because he's just eyes and I fixated on that for so long and yeah, I think he evolved like a tadpole. 
He's like a tadpole. He gets a bunch of legs. I completely forgot. Goes off road. Oh, it's fucked oh up. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, Rachel. That's so fucking stupid. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. <laughs> Wait, did you not believe it was real? <laughs> no, because every so Tarman. Uh, so basically, what happened is we were going. We were looking at Reddit uh-huh. last week. And there was a there was a poll on your favorite live ship, and one of them was Tarman, and everybody was like, "Who the fuck is Tarman?" Oh. And I was like, "All I know about Tarman is that he's in the last trilogy, and he doesn't have a figurehead. He's like, but he can still talk." Somehow. He's like one of those Greek like, boats, yeah, with the eyes on the side. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, "I'll just look up the wiki to make sure he definitely didn't have a figurehead, but could still talk." And then on the wiki, it was like he grows legs and walks around, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> Yeah, as far as I'm aware, there's does it. I'm not sure if he talk talks or the way he communicates is really. He could like telepathically communicate yes. somehow, like he had feelings. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he fucking gross legs. I love the Rain Wilds oh quartet. Oh my god, I love it! I can't wait. Boats are just going to be walking around like Howl's Moving Castle, basically with Elise, my favorite character, besides the fool. Oh, very excited. But yes, oh real things that happen. <laughs> Tadpole boat. There's no dignity in that. There's absolutely no dignity in <laughs> like that. Like it's already a boat. What's it gonna You're already a stupid boat now you're gonna grow legs and walk around. Horrible. Set it on fire. <laughs> Who's your favorite live ship then? Well, I think we as a group decided it was Kendry because he was the least annoying. <laughs> Fair. I think my favorite is Rings Golds because he's the most tragic and made me feel the most. Well, he wasn't on the list. He wasn't on the list. Believe... What? No. He was not. So I believe Elena said we should write him in. Oh, good. Thanks, Elena. First future Elena, if you ever go back and listen to these. Thank you. Yeah. Love but, but we were all like, let's just type, let's just type Draquius. <laughs> <laughs> the best part. <sighs> Get yelled at for spoilers in the, in the Reddit. <laughs> He'll yell at us for anything. I'll just type in whichever one got legs. <laughs> Frog boat. Would it be funny if it grew legs, but the legs did not like clear like the bottom of the. I don't know what the the riverbed. Oh, the no, just the like hull? the bottom. So it just had like dangly legs, but they couldn't. They could paddle if he was in the water, but like on land, they're useless. They don't go past. Oh my god! <laughs> Perfect, beautiful. I, but I read that and I was like, "There's no way this is real." Somebody put this in as a joke. I almost wish that were true. Now reflecting. Cannot wait till ships get legs. Perfect. <laughs> I think legs and a figurehead would be way too much. Yeah, well, then it would be a centaur. <laughs> there would be... Oh, I take it back. It will be just enough. <laughs> well, there was a moment, maybe it's not in this section, maybe it's in the next section, where Vivacia. I guess it's when Vivacia comes back and it's in its bolt and it's not Vivacia mm-hmm. and she attempts to like rip herself for a second. You think she's going to try to rip herself off of the ship. Oh, I'm God. like, what the fuck is your plan? Like, what are you going to do when you detach? Like what's flap the around? 
You got no legs. <laughs> you got no legs. <laughs> um, I have nothing else to say. We hit everything. Yay. I'm good. All right. See you aboard the tar man, Captain. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye.